The Ranking Show is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know NFL ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. Now, we know you're here at the Ranking Show for NFL Talk, but the NBA and NHL seasons are just underway. And guess what? Game Time doesn't just have NFL tickets. You can find NBA and NHL tickets there as well. Also, concert, theater, whatever you're looking for, they've got it at Game Time. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Ranking show at the Athletic. Week nine of the NFL and fantasy football season is upon us. Just five weeks remaining in your typical fantasy football regular season. So, no time like the present to start stacking wins will help you do that in this edition of the Ranking Show. I'm Michael Beller, joined by my co hosts, Jake Seeley and Brandon Funston. Guys, how we doing headed into week nine? Doing good, busy. Trying to trying to get out of here. I go to Notre Dame for the first time ever this weekend. Brandon oh. knows that. Oh, very nice. A little trip to South Bend. Beautiful. Who yeah, it's, it's catch, it's catch twenty two is in that, like pissed off that they lost against Michigan, but at the same time, now I don't have to be stressed out if they're having a bad game against Virginia Tech because the season. Who cares at this point? <laughs> I was a uh, I'm a I'm a University of Washington guy. I've made one trip out there, uh, and it was for a University of Washington game when Golden Tate was there, and I think he had like. 240 or 250 yards the game went into overtime it was an awesome game but it was an absolute downpour there's no place to hide from rain there but i came away from that game uh pretty much ready to draft golden tate immediately in a fantasy draft so <laughs> and then he and then he ended up on your favorite team for a while so it worked out well. i was stoked about that yes yeah, well, that'll be uh, that'll be great. I've actually never been. I've been through South Bend a number of times in my life, and I've stopped there once or twice, but I've never been to uh, to a game uh, in South Bend. Oh, so, I'm getting uh, spoiled too. Is uh, my good friend that I'm going with for his birthday? He has former student. The parents of the former student have suite tickets, so they oh. gave them to us because they're not going to the game. So I'm going. Yeah, I actually could stay out of the rain if there is rain, which there's not supposed to be, but uh, <laughs> I'm going in style for the very first time ever. Hey, that's beautiful. That's a great way to do it so, i forgot about the first world people that get to sit in suites so, so yeah for the layman's out there yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I, no I, I, hey, look it, it, we'll get get to the rankings because i don't want to spend too much time because nobody really cares everybody's probably like well screw you jake or whatever but uh, <laughs> like if it was between sitting in the seats all the way up there the suites seats i'd actually just rather be on like the 30th row on the 50 yard line if i had a choice i'll find someone to trade with <laughs> you, you can go have the food in the suite and i'll go sit down here yeah i think you might find some takers if you go that route yeah that, that's true you never know <laughs> all right well you can follow along uh, jake south bend adventure on twitter at all in kid you can follow brandon at brandon funston i am m beller we still have our 40 percent off uh, an annual subscription deal going if you go to the athletic.com slash the ranking show 
gets you a subscription to The Athletic at 40% off the annual price. You'll be able to listen to the subscribers-only update to this show on Fridays. That's me and Derek Van Riper uh, talking our last-minute start-sit recommendations. Uh, be sure to check that out. Be sure to check out, uh, to be honest, with our pal Jake and D'Angelo Williams as well. It's been a truly unique podcast offering that we have here at The Athletic. Jake uh, and D'Angelo going into the player side of things that we talk about from the fan side, from the analyst side. D'Angelo Williams gives a player's perspective. Jake, it's a great show. We love it. Uh, definitely check that out as well. As Jake said, we'll jump right into the rankings here now that we've talked about all that other good stuff. Four teams on by this week, Saints, Rams, Falcons, and Bengals. So it's a heavy one with a lot of fantasy talent taking a seat this week. We start at the running back position with someone who maybe doesn't fit that heavy fantasy talent description, but certainly has had himself a useful fantasy season. It is Jordan Howard, Eagles hosting the Bears in week nine. Jordan Howard, running back 18 for Jake, running back 17 for Brandon. Jake, got a revenge game on our hands here, huh? Oh, stop. (laughs) (laughs) Brandon, oh no, Brandon didn't edit this week. I was about to say, Brandon knows. I talked about that in the column, but he doesn't know unless he read it because, uh, yeah. Uh, And yeah, you you definitely know because I know you actually checked the link. And uh, here's the truth about it is it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the fact that the defense has been awful since Akeem Kicks has left. It's just run against them, but you run against them, not outside, not with Miles Sanders, not in space. You still just run up straight up the gut, find the lanes, find where to go. And for that purpose is why I think that I'm assuming Brandon's on the same page by looking at his ranking is why we both like him this week. As much as the fact that the Eagles has still continued to go more towards him since, you know, basically it was like week two or three of the season. They really started to be invested in him. Even if Deshaun's, Deshaun Jackson's back, I still feel like Jordan Howard's the safe one. I feel Deshaun Jackson coming back would only hurt Miles Sanders. Yeah, I, it's funny. Like, as much as we want to say, God, look how how talented Miles Sanders is. Doug Peterson's got his earmuffs on. He's not listening. Uh, it's the last three games, Sanders hasn't touched the ball uh, 10 times in any of those games. And we come out of the game in which Jordan Howard had a season-high 23 carries. As Jake mentioned, the Bears down since Akeem uh, Hicks has been out. And, you know, you look at Josh Jacobs put up 120-plus rushing. Latavius Murray went over the century mark. Uh, they were down, uh, you know, they were a little better last week against the the Chargers, but the Chargers are just a, a hot mess offensively in that backfield <laughs> running the ball. But even Melvin Gordon had a nice touchdown run out of it. They both 30. scored. Yeah, and Eckler scored through the air. So uh, Jordan Howard's the safe guy for carries here while Hicks is out. Uh, you know, you feel good about Howard getting probably 15-plus carries and that should net out in a in a week you know the, the running back position doesn't doesn't go out super deep this week uh jordan howard with that kind of a expected workload should do all right and finish in the top 20 yeah game script is always a an interesting thing to watch with jordan howard eagles are five point favorites against the bears uh, you mentioned jake they haven't been the same uh, without akeem hicks we had josh jacobs have the big game then latavius murray with the big game so you've been able to really attack this bears front uh, up the middle jordan howard definitely Fits that bill and uh, revenge gamer. No, just like to give you a little bit of a hard time there, Jake. Definitely a good matchup for Jordan Howard. And I think really this entire Eagles offense with the Bears coming to town this week. How about the other side of this game? Uh, we finally saw David Montgomery get a ton of work last week 27 carries, 
in the Bears' loss to the Chargers. Racked up 135 yards and a touchdown. Also got five targets. Didn't do much with him, but the five targets, a nice number to look at. Uh, Over the last two weeks, he's played 61% of the snaps. Brandon, we'll start with you here. Do we think Matt Nagy, whether it be out of waking up or just out of necessity or design, whatever it might be, do we think he's maybe turned a corner with respect to the run game and Montgomery? Well, you know, he's tried before. I mean, but it's not the first time Montgomery's had a lot of carries. He's had, you know, 18 and 21 in previous weeks uh, as his previous highs. And I think you're just looking at at a team in the Chargers that uh, hasn't been very good against running backs. And when you get that kind of a volume, uh, you know, you're going to expect some decent numbers. And you look back, other than, you know, a couple touchdown, random touchdowns, Montgomery hasn't really you know, beat up on a good defense. And so when it comes to run defense, Philly's very good. And I don't, you know, I don't know that Mitch Trubisky going into Philly, if they're going to get the kind of volume, I, I'm ranking Montgomery 24 because it's not a really deep week for running backs. And you have to give credit to a guy that, that gets, you know, 31 carry or 31 touches a week before. I just don't think he has a high upside. And this might be a lot like what we've seen before, like a Minnesota game where he had 21 carries uh, for 53 yards and didn't score a touchdown. Uh, But when you get that many touches, maybe he does find the end zone randomly. I just don't think this is a very high upside game for Montgomery. I don't think the sky, you know, the clouds have cleared up for Montgomery in any way, shape or form. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, what, what's really left to say at this point? <laughs> you kind of like you covered everything. There was so much to say there, so yes, I had to get it all out. Yeah, I'm like, just there's there's really not much else to add besides the fact that it just I don't 100 percent trust Nagy even with the recent use. So everything Brandon said, like I said, there's really not much left to say. Yeah, you guys both have him low end RB two, but again, it's worth remembering. Uh, let's see, Alvin Kamara, Latavius Murray, uh, Todd Gurley, Daryl Henderson, Devontae Freeman, Joe Mixon, all these guys on by this week. So uh, we're going to hear some uh, running back names uh, get boosted up into that low end RB two uh, uh, level that maybe we're not used to seeing quite that high. Again, Bears five point underdogs going into Philly this week a strong run defense as well so david montgomery's gonna have his hands full on sunday how about jamal williams you guys uh, we know where Aaron jones stands a locked in starter week in week out one of the best running backs that we have in the game jamal williams uh 10 carries for 27 yards and a touchdown the last two games combined uh seven catches on eight targets for 40 yards and two more scores uh beneficiary of some of those uh really jet sweeps that you get the little flick and they end up being receiving touchdowns but they more play like running plays jake you're at running back 28 brandon at running back 22 at this stage are we in hope for a touchdown territory jake is that what you look at with jamal williams or is there maybe more here in this matchup with the chargers it's kind of in that area but i'm a little bit more hesitant only because right now i had Devonte adams in and i just think that pulls away from the backfield and i don't think it's all going to be Jamal Williams goes completely away because you guys both know that's been my biggest concern with Aaron Jones is that it's just never going to be only Aaron Jones' backfield. But Devontae Adams is going to be involved and Devontae Adams is going to command double-digit targets as he always does in the passing game. And if you throw that on Aaron Rodgers, who has been doing a lot with not as many targets as you normally see coming from him, I just that's my only concern is I just don't know if the volume is going to be as high. If there is no Devontae Adams, Jamal Williams probably moves up a, full, a few spots. But as you said, without a touchdown, I mean, that's that's the biggest concern with Jamal Williams. It's You might get four and a half points. That, that It's going to be a slow day potentially. 
Yeah, I've kind of re- resigned myself to Jamal Williams just never going away and that uh, there's going to always be 10 to 12 touches for him. And, I, you know, I like – if that's the case, I like his matchup. Uh, you, you look at the Chargers, this is a team that let David Montgomery get untracked, you know, that that's kind of been beat up over the last three weeks by, you know, Tennessee, Pittsburgh, Denver. I guess it's the last four weeks. But, uh you know, it's and, and that's you know, Michael, you mentioned it. Those little flicks for touchdowns. I mean, Aaron Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams have combined for seven TD receptions. You almost have to kind of say that's just going to be part of the repertoire, even if Devontae Adams is back. What's working uh, there? Why change that? So, you, I am kind of hedging on a touchdown here, but I think even with twelve touches uh, and no touchdown. He might, you know, he might be able to come away with something close to where I ranked him. He won't make it to where I ranked him, but, you know, I'm kind of like rank, I'm baking in a half a touchdown and hoping for the best on that. <laughs> Fortunately, you can't score a half a touchdown in real life. <laughs> they should make that a thing. That'd be exciting. <laughs> I'm sure someone in the fantasy world will figure out a way to make half a touchdown a thing with all these. Uh, well, we still got to get to a point systems. for pass interference first. Like, let's, you know, let's slow it yes. slow down before we get there. <laughs> Uh, maybe one of these days we'll uh, we'll start getting that in there. Uh, Jamal Williams, uh, three and a half point favorites. The Packers are uh, going into Los Angeles. I bet how many? We know there's going to be more Packers fans. How much more Packers fans? How many more? What's the breakdown going to be between Packers fans and Chargers fans in Los Angeles? Oh, 80-20. I think that's the normal for most games. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, it's going to be going to be Lambo West in Los Angeles uh, <laughs> with the Packers in town. This weekend, how about Kenyon Drake? You guys, speaking of uh, going out west, Kenyon Drake gets traded from the Dolphins to the Cardinals. Gets a Thursday night game, so if you're thinking about starting Kenyon Drake, keep that in mind. Thursday night, Cardinals and 49ers. We know Chase Edmonds is out. David Johnson also could be out, likely out, in fact, in this game. So we might have Kenyon Drake uh, as the uh, starter, the nominal starter for Arizona. Emery Hunt and I actually on the advanced route this week, we talked a lot about Kenyon Drake, and he he said in this first game, expect something on the order of a 50-50 split with Drake and the other backs, you know, Zach Center, Alfred Morris, whoever it might be. Brandon, we'll start with you. How, uh, how do you feel about Kenyon Drake going into his first game with the Cardinals against the 49ers on Thursday night? Yeah, I think the problem is it's Thursday night. You're literally a couple days in, and you have to go against, you know, arguably the best defense in the league, if if not the best, and one of the best. And so, uh, for me, if you know, if you're not getting all those touches, that's kind of where I was at. That they would find a way to give uh, their other running backs some touches and not c- try to throw this all on Kenyon Drake with, uh, you know, just a few days uh, in in there in camp there for them. So uh, to me, that's my hesitancy. I mean, Arizona has been pretty lucrative in terms of like efficiency per touch at the running back position. I just, you know, factoring all that, those things in, I couldn't go much higher. I, I, you know, I may talk myself into another notch or two up, but I, you know, I just think that there's a limited upside given uh, the givens that I've mentioned. Yeah. The biggest thing is even if it was a full workload, we'd be hesitant on top of the fact that, as you mentioned, I agree with Emery and it's the short week. It's the fact that they have Alfred Morris and Zach center already there. I just don't think that Drake's going to see a full workload. And even if he did, it's still the 49. Like I would start, we talked about this on the throwback. I would start Mark Walton over him. I just, because I know Mark Walton's getting the bulk of the touches, even though he's on a miserable offense. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And I think maybe we see Kenyon Drake as someone who is a, a more of a, a long-term play uh, for the Cardinals, depending on the Edmonds and Johnson injuries this week. Obviously, a tough one. Jake at running back 30. No, because have you seen the next two games after this? At for, Tampa Bay and then back at San Francisco. So yeah. Kenyon Drake might just 
not be relevant period <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely a tough spot although you know they, they've made very good use of these backs as receivers especially david johnson so maybe he'll get uh, some of those receiving uh some of that receiving value that we've seen for johnson we saw drake uh have himself some nice uh receiving games with the dolphins before the trade more last year than this year jake you're rb30 brandon at RB33 on Kenyon Drake in his first game as an Arizona Cardinal. One more guy to get on here. Uh, how about Jalen Samuels, you guys? Now, uh, this is going to be a situation we have to watch all week. James Conner injured his shoulder last week, Monday Night Football, against uh, the Dolphins. Right now, it sounds more likely than not that he does play, but let's just play a game of what if for a second, Jake. What if James Conner doesn't play? Where are you going to rate Jalen Samuels? I'll update my rankings when it happens, as I told everybody <laughs> else. Here, here's um, if, I'm, if I'm going off now, I'll, I'll give a legitimate answer, but I'm not going to tell you a specific spot because I don't know. I, I, like I said, I always do the projections and then I'll make a few adjustments to go back, but the projections are the starting point. I would assume Jalen Samuels would fall into the, I know, well, I almost guarantee he's in the top 15, whether he's close to top 10 and a locked in RB1 or if he's just outside of it. I'm not sure, but he would be in that range. See, I'm I'm probably more like 15 to 20, uh, just because they do have Benny Snell there, and because Jalen Samuels no, has been out. I, I well, hey, yeah, like what? 17 carries, uh, just coming off a of 17. He's carry garbage. Game. He makes Jordan not, Howard look good, and he but, might sit too with the injury. Well, I'm I'm just expecting that maybe if they could, you know, cap cap Samuels workload a little bit coming off of a long layoff for him uh, that they might try to look to do that. But I'm, you know, I'm more than likely if I own him, I'm probably figuring out a way to start him. I just don't think I'll have him quite as high as guys like Chris Carson and, and Tevin Coleman and Marlon Mack, who I have in that, you know, 10 to 15 range. I'm probably coming in right behind uh, those guys for Samuels. Hey, well, maybe if Connor does play, Samuels fits into our favorite part of the ranking show, someone to take a chance on. Maybe it's him, maybe it's someone else. Brandon, uh, you take this one away first. Running back to take a chance on in week nine. Yeah, I think this sets up pretty good for Devin Singletary to get into double-digit touches this week. I mean, he's been making big plays and, and making the most of his opportunities, but uh, I have him ranked as a mid-20s running back this week. I like the matchup against Washington. Washington's averaging less than nine points a game over his last six games, so I can see this being a Buffalo, you know, lots of plays from scrimmage, lots of opportunities for Devin Singletary to mix in with Frank Gore. Maybe give the old man a little bit more of a break than they have been uh, in this one. Oh, hold on. We can talk about that real quick because I, you should have brought this one up. I have Devin Singletary at 32. I'm completely the opposite of you. I, I think this is because Frank Gore is going to get the workload every time they're in control or in a lead game and Singletary when they're down. And that's why I like Singletary more towards the end of the season if you look at their schedule. But it'll be interesting. I, you know, you could definitely be, I'm not going to say I'm right because this, I brought this up on the All Sports podcast with Chris Harris and to, to talking specifically to you, Brandon. I said, Either way, like what I just said is going off of a one game sample is that Singletary was used a lot last week when they were down. So if I'm trying to project going forward off of a one game sample, I would say what I just said. Would it surprise me if Singletary is used to your point? No, but I still feel like this is a Frank Gore situation. This will be a telling game, though, because if you're right and I'm wrong, then Singletary has even better value the rest of the season. But if I'm right and you're wrong, then it's going to be a frustrating situation. So, no, I'm actually saying for, for fantasy purposes, I'm hoping you're right. Like, I, I'm well, actually so just here's so we my, have that kind of... 
I, I would throw one other thing into the equation, which is I could be wrong and still be right if Devin Singletary pops like he does on the limited opportunities that he gets because he, you know, he's still kind of finding his way into the uh, onto the map even with with the low touches because he'll he'll break a big player he'll get in the end zone and, and that could happen against Washington he may not get ten touches ten plus touches like I'm talking about but he might still get the big play in which in which case I'm sort of wrong on my reasoning but right on my ranking you know. <laughs> <laughs> Result of a process is that right? Exactly. That's what exactly. I've, I I won't spend too much time on mine because I just brought that up and it's a higher level one. But I think Royce Freeman. I actually do think a lot of people are going to be hesitant about Royce Freeman with Brandon Allen at quarterback. But I'm not that concerned because this is another similar situation to Jordan Howard, where the runner that you prefer, although I think that Freeman and Lindsay are both fine as RB twos, the one is the more stable presence. And you would assume Brandon Allen's first game, they would turn to the run more. But of course, we've also seen quarterbacks come in and destroy the offense where the running backs aren't even relevant because they don't even, even just one person doesn't even get 15 touches because the offense isn't on the field that much. But I would still feel pretty good about Royce Freeman this week. Low over under in that game, Broncos and Browns getting together in Denver for Brandon Allen's first start. A few other injuries that you're going to want to keep in mind in addition to James Conner with the shoulder injury and David Johnson has already talked about the ankle likely out, but just keep it in mind over the next 24 hours before that game kicks off on Thursday night. Miles Sanders didn't practice uh, on Wednesday with his shoulder injury. Doug Peterson doesn't sound too concerned about his availability on Sunday, but watch it over the next couple of days. A couple of 49er injuries to watch the next 24 hours as well. Matt Breida and Raheem Mostert. Breida with an ankle Mostert with a knee. We know Tevin Coleman is going to be healthy. You're going to want him in your lineups. Keep an eye on Breida and Mostert. If one of either one of well, the if Breida Wilson too, yeah, Jeff Wilson also right. So if Breida's healthy, he could be a guy you start. If Breida's not and Mostert plays, then Mostert could be someone who falls. <laughs> if they're into both not and Wilson's not, and then if they're all not. <laughs> <laughs> Tevin Goldman is the guy you want. We we can we can exactly. state that with certainty on Wednesday at 2:22 p.m. Central Time. Tevin Coleman definitely in your lineups. Also, you're not playing him, but Chris Thompson still dealing with the turf toe. But again, you're not really playing him. How about wide receivers, you guys? A couple of Dolphins to start things off here. Preston Williams and Devontae Parker. Uh, where are we sitting at on these guys? You know, it's been the volume is never a concern really for either of them, at least in terms of the target load. You can pretty much bet on somewhere in the neighborhood of six, seven, maybe eight for both of them week in, week out. I think we all like Ryan Fitzpatrick better than Josh Rosen for their immediate fantasy value, but it's a low over-under game. 41 is the total in Dolphins and Jets, with the Jets being favored by a field goal in Miami. Uh, we'll go to you here first, Jake. Uh, how do you break down exactly when someone would be wanting to use either or both of these Dolphins uh, receivers? Yeah, they're wide receiver fours. And really, I had them close every single week. I've had them close. And every I think actually most weeks I've had Preston Williams slightly, barely in front of Devontae Parker. And for most weeks, that really hasn't hit yet because Devontae Parker finds the end zone. I think it comes down to Preston Williams is the more consistent, safer option. If you're going to chase the upside, it's Devontae Parker now. And Devontae Parker has been finding the end zone, but that's the whole, it's the Tyrell Williams argument. It's the reverse DK Metcalf argument is where there's no such thing as being due. And we joked about that because nobody ever says, well, he's due not to score. Like nobody's talking like Tyrell Williams is due not to find the end zone or like, you know, somebody's due not to get a hit in baseball. But on the positive, it's always positive, but it's all positive or negative regression. And I think if you're talking about the opportunities Parker has had, 
he's been producing above what should be the norm for his production. So that's my legitimate concern, but I would still chase the ceiling of it would be Parker. Yeah, I can't, I can't get into that, but I, I, I was listening in there for why you had Preston Williams 12 spots ahead of Parker this week, unless that's a typo. I see Williams mm-hmm. as wide receiver 27 and Parker as wide receiver 39. And I like, I, I'm, 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 I'm without the touchdown. Oh, because because Parker doesn't get the touchdown and Williams is getting it. Is that what you're going with this week? No, no, no. Because without the touchdown, Williams has been the better receiver. I, I, I see. I disagree. I mean, I don't think that. Uh, I think if you stripped them away of their of their touchdowns, I think Parker has the better numbers. I, I was just looking at. No, just, he doesn't. Not, okay, well, Michael, why don't you go and look at the overall yardage and uh, and tell me where they sit on that? Because I, I think it's uh, if it's not like really close, it's 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 actually in Parker's favor, but um, I think it's really close. But anyways, I'm going to go with the guy that's been, I mean, Parker's getting as, as many targets, if not more uh, of late as Williams. He's the guy that's getting into the end zone more. I don't think that you can say that Williams has higher upside. God, that's all the reason we all like. I didn't say yeah, upside. I said Parker had higher, higher upside. Oh, I thought you said, I said Williams has well, the I, better I, floor. Uh, okay. Anyway, <laughs> I, I don't agree with the Dolphins. I don't agree with the floor. I just I'm just ranking these guys close. I have uh, Parker 34 and Williams 36 because Parker's been a little bit better in in fantasy, and so I'm just you know I like the matchup. The Jets have been very generous. Those those, those outside corners are, are guys that you can pick on, and you know these are these are receivers that can get downfield and make something happen. So I you know for this week they're definitely wide receiver threes for me. Yeah, I think we're mostly splitting hairs, at least as far as the uh, the numbers go. You've got, for Preston Williams, 27 catches, 51 targets, 356 yards. Devontae Parker, 24 catches, 46 targets, 343 yards. So on a per-target basis, they've been basically the same. Uh, Devontae Parker has three touchdowns to just one for Preston Williams. So um, With yeah. a goose egg. Right. That that's is, my biggest. That's my like again. That's my biggest issue is the floor for Devontae Parker is literally zero. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that that we that touchdown for uh, Preston Williams came way back uh, in their in week one to ten thrashing at the hands of the Ravens exactly in week one. Uh, we'll see what goes down with this team against the Jets this week. I want to move on though to our next guy, Jarvis Landry. A pretty big disappointment so far this season, you guys. A disappointment that's sort of flown under the radar just because of how big a disappointment Cleveland is as a total. And Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham obviously had all the headlines coming into the season. Neither of them has lived up to the billing. And Jarvis Landry has been right there with them. 30 catches on 54 targets for 504 yards. He's still looking for his first touchdown of the season. Uh, Browns are three-point favorites in Denver this week. Brandon, we'll start with you. You guys are pretty close on on Landry. You both have him as low-end wide receiver three. Brandon, you're at 35. Jake at 32. So, Brandon, what what would you count as a win? Like, if someone said, I will give you – you're starting Jarvis Landry. I will give you X catches, X yards right now. What does that number have to be for you to take it right now? What he did last week against New England, five catches, 65 yards. I, I think that's, you know, that's kind of what you can expect. And if you look at the season, that's basically been where he's at um, other than a huge game at Baltimore. But my worry here and, uh, you know, is that Denver can get after the quarterback a bit. Baker Mayfield hasn't been accurate. That offensive line has been terrible. And if Baker Mayfield is going to get rushed like we've seen so often this year, it's another you know, tough accuracy day. And so 
Landry's not getting in the end zone. This I don't know that this Cleveland defense is gonna gonna move the ball up and down the field at Denver. And so I don't expect him to get into the end zone again. So it's going to have to be a, a 10 target day and something like five or six catches for 60 to 70 yards to feel good about him. I think he can do it, but I don't see him doing uh, anything more than that. Yeah, that's pretty much the same with the, if you want the definition of safe floor, there you go. Jarvis Landry. Yeah. Boring. Right. <laughs> Very boring. Even in a matchup with the Broncos, this could be uh, a pretty safe floor, uh, but again, a low over under in this game. Uh, the, the implied team total for Cleveland sits at 21 points and, and a team that we really would love to see some sort of semblance of uh, a rhythm through the air from this team eventually this season just hasn't clicked for Cleveland after all the expectations coming into the year. Curtis Samuel, uh, next guy to talk about here, you guys. Now, he popped up a bit of a surprise on Wednesday's injury report with a shoulder issue. Didn't practice Wednesday. Uh, Ron Rivera doesn't sound too concerned yet, but hey, it's also Wednesday, and we weren't expecting any injury for Curtis Samuel, so why would he sound too concerned? Uh, For the time being, Jake, you're at wide receiver 28, and uh, Brandon at wide receiver 27. Another guy who volume hasn't really been an issue week in, week out, but we haven't seen that consistency from him, yet he can he is always consistently ranked as about a top 30 receiver every single week. So Jake, uh, how do you, how do they get him going? What do you want to see out of this Carolina offense specifically with an eye on getting Curtis Samuel rolling this week, assuming the shoulder isn't too big a problem? Uh, it's not going to happen because you do it by putting Cam Newton back at quarterback. Like let's, <laughs> let's chill out with that. You remember the, all that Kyle Allen excitement? Let's be real about who Kyle Allen is and understand that, you know what, it's going to be one or the other most weeks and they pretty much been alternate. I, to be honest, let's be realistic about these teams, too. I don't think they're that dissimilar from Preston Williams and Devontae Parker. They just happen to play for a better offense with a better running back and a better offensive line. That's really like, tell me what's different between the Dolphins when you talk about the quarterback and the wide receivers. I don't think there's a whole lot. Yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't argue with that. I mean, I, and the only difference is that, you know, we would consider DJ Moore and, and Curtis Samuel to be, you know, underperforming <laughs> and, uh, Devontae Parker and Preston Williams may be performing a little better than we would expect that uh, crap show in Miami to perform. So um, you just hate Preston Williams. That's what it is. That's what we that's found what out. That is what it is. <laughs> I, my my old my old love for Devontae Parker just creeped up. I don't. I, I thought I had that thing squashed completely, and it just bubbled to the surface. I don't know what happened, but yeah, I'm mostly with you. I mean, I think the thing about Curtis Samuel, you know, you'd like to have Cam Newton back, but you liked the volume. Um, and then, you know, there's 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 the big play upside. There's also the rush upside. He threw in 25 yards uh, on the ground a couple weeks ago, and he had a rushing touchdown, I think, the week before that or the week after that. Uh, anyways, he does have that potential to, to add on with some rushing numbers as well, and they will usually give him, you know, a touch or two in that department most games. So uh, for me, that always kind of raises him up. I always – end up putting him right kind of close to DJ Moore. And I expect DJ Moore to put up better numbers overall as a receiver, but that kind of X factor of Curtis Samuel gets him into the equation as well. Could have a sneaky competitive game, Carolina and Tennessee getting together the two and O under Ryan Tannehill, Tennessee Titans going to Carolina Panthers favored by four points in this one on Sunday. Curtis Samuel, though, someone you're going to want to keep an eye on if you're planning on starting him on his practice reports the next couple of weeks. Again, dealing with a shoulder injury, Ron Rivera said uh, in a pass he he laid out for uh, on Sunday 
uh, for the Panthers against the 49ers. That does what caused the shoulder problem. So we'll see if he's able to practice at all on Thursday or Friday. Robbie Anderson, next guy to talk about here. Uh, I got to be honest, guys. I'm a little surprised that uh, both to see both of you so high on Robbie Anderson, uh, relatively high at least. Jake at wide receiver 29 and Brandon at wide receiver 24. No Xavier Howard for Miami, so that certainly helps Robbie Anderson. The the what uh, was expected to be a pretty brutal schedule of corners for him starts to ease up with that Howard injury. Jake. Uh, we'll go with you here first. Uh, I'm sure Howard has something to do with where you rank him, but also I'm interested in uh, why you have him so much higher than Jamison Crowder, who you have at wide receiver 44 this week. Because Jamison Crowder is battling with Demarius Thomas for opportunities. It, it's like the two weeks ago, their snaps were about the same. And I'm pretty sure if I'm remembering correctly, Demarius Thomas had slightly more than he did. It might've only been like two, but last week he had slightly more the reverse way. It was like five or six. It wasn't a huge gap. They're now battling going forward. That's really all it has to do. If there was no, no more Demarius Thomas or he never came over, I was ex- one of the most excited of anybody for Jameson Crowder for this team before the season even started, before his enormous week one, because I was looking at that opportunity situation. But now they're battling for the number two opportunities here, and the only one I want is the one that can take one play for 30 yards and a touchdown. And I don't care if Xavier Howard was out there or not. It's the Dolphins. He wasn't going to see him the entire game. I know Sam Darnold's been awful and the jokes are abounding especially because it's halloween but yeah you know what it's halloween it's time for an exorcism that's what it's time for things are going to get right this week yeah and and show me the the bad defense that that the jets have played they haven't played one i mean gosh they've played new england twice they played philly dallas jacksonville buffalo i mean they played a lot of really good defenses they get a breather this week miami has had two interceptions they're among the bottom in the league in sacks sam darnold i believe there's going to be an exorcism in this game and he will not be seeing ghosts and you know he's He's, he'll target Robbie Anderson. That hasn't been the problem. Robbie Anderson's been getting, you know, seven, eight targets pretty regularly and, and you know, in the couple games that Darnold's played. So we know what these guys can do when everything's like the stars are aligned. I think this is one of those games where we can maybe get something closer to that. And as Jake said, there's going to be, they're going to take their shots. And Robbie Anderson is one of those guys who can go 30, 40 yards in a pop. And, and be in the end zone and suddenly you're very happy about your fancy day. And I don't think it's a stretch to think uh, that something like that could happen this week. Yes, yeah, seven targets, uh, at least average, the last two games. Got eight two weeks ago uh, against New England. Six last week for Robbie Anderson against the Jets. Got to believe if he hits that seven-target average again this week against the Dolphins, you're going to be a little happier with what you get out of him than what he's given you over the last two weeks. Five catches for 43 yards. Last guy before we move on to take a chance is Terry McLaurin, uh, another guy who's been very quiet the last two weeks, five catches on eight targets for 50 yards. Both you guys are a wide receiver 30 on McLaurin. I assume Jake, or no, we'll go to Brandon first. I assume Brandon, that is a, that assumes that Case Keenum gets through concussion protocol and is able to start because Dwayne Haskins has not looked ready for the NFL just yet. Yeah, and that's that's my assumption. I, you know, it's funny. I was actually I looked at the show rundown and saw that uh, before I'd finished all my wide receiver rankings, and I saw that Jake had McLaurin at wide receiver thirty. I'm like, oh god, that's way too high, you know. And then I, and then I just dove uh, into my wide receiver rankings, started you know trying to get McLaurin down. I couldn't get him any lower than wide receiver thirty. Like it's not like after wide receiver thirty, it's a bunch of garbage. Uh, Terry McLaurin is a go-to guy, and if Case Keenum is there, even in a tough game at Buffalo, uh, 
you know, McLaurin's the best that they got. And he was on a roll with Keenum earlier in the year. And, you know, they did decent work against New England, had a, had a good game against Chicago and Dallas when Dallas was really rolling in pass defense. So we've seen them, you know, do all right against some tough defenses, but it has to be Case Keenum. Otherwise, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to figure out a way to get him lower. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't even have to figure out a way. You're, you're 100 right. It is Dwayne Haskins, and as much as I'm a fan of Dwayne Haskins, and my hope for Terry McLaurin was more about 2020, thinking that the connection with Haskins was going to carry over once Haskins was starting. the The answer is clear from was like, why aren't we seeing more of Haskins in practice? He's not getting for all those reports. Blah blah. blah. The, the truth is, Haskins had one year, well, essentially one year, a little bit over one year, starting in college. And he's not ready for the NFL. You can still like somebody and understand he's not ready for the NFL. So he's better for 2020. But if he's at quarterback, yes, you have to downtick Terry McLaurin. You have to downtick the entire Redskins team. That's the truth. Yeah, Dwayne Haskins could make things very ugly for uh, Washington. Already nine and a half point underdogs at Buffalo. 13 and a half point implied team total there. And again, that probably assumes that Case Keenum is the starter. So we should, could see that line go up, the implied total go down if it ends up being Dwayne Haskins as the starter for Washington. Wide receiver to take a chance on in week nine. Jake, you're up first. Yeah, I'm going to go, you know, one I had in the column was go back to DK Metcalf. Don't think like that was a blip last week because we talked about the, you know, the Ted, Brandon brought it up, the 10 red zone targets and zero touchdowns. I don't think that's something that's not going to be able to carry over with how successful he was last week, but I'm going to go deeper for everybody. Is your boy out there. Anthony Miller is back on the radar, and this is a deep one. I'm not wanting to start him in 12-team. They actually had two comments asked about it in the waiver column about Anthony Miller. The last three games, he's been involved again. He's getting back into the mix. He has at least three catches. It was three for three last week, so you want to see a few more targets but he's getting back involved, and that's what we want to see. And, and that's with as bad as Trubisky has been playing and with Chase Daniel mixed in there. So, you know, it could always be a Taylor Gabriel week. Those happen once, twice, maybe three times a year. But I like to see that Anthony Miller is getting back involved. And it is, we know this, one of the best matchups you could possibly find, whether, whether or not people are back on defense for the Eagles. I'll throw out Chris Conley. I mean, you know, D.D. Westbrook banged up. They're at home against Houston, also one of the best defenses you could hope for. They've been, uh, you know, basically as bad as Miami when it comes to pass defense and fantasy. And uh, Conley in, in the second week of the season had 73 yards against this uh, Texans defense and should have a bigger role uh, if Westbrook is out. So you got a guy who's, you know, 186 yards over his past two games and a touchdown. I uh, could probably keep it rolling with another 80-plus yard game in this one. Yeah, I was hoping one of you would say him. I wanted to find a way to get him into the show, but felt we were already starting to get a little too bloated, so I had to delete him from the rundown. Happy you mentioned Chris Conley there, Brandon, because it's not just D.D. Westbrook. D.J. Chark also a surprise uh, on the Jacksonville oh, practice injury report. Right. Yeah, with a quad injury. Didn't practice on Wednesday, so that's something we're going to have to watch the rest of the week, along with Devontae Adams, of course, trying to make his return from turf toe. Adam Thielen uh, expected to practice. Hadn't seen a Minnesota practice report before we started recording here, but Mike Zimmer sounded like uh, like he was pretty confident Thielen 
would practice with the hamstring injury. Sounds like we might be finally getting Deshaun Jackson back from the abdomen injury. I would totally change the Philadelphia offense with a downfield element. Marquise Brown already looking good to go after he missed a couple of games for Baltimore. Huge game on Sunday night football between the Ravens and the Patriots. D.D. Westbrook, as you mentioned, Brandon, with the shoulder issue, and Sterling Shepard hoping to clear concussion protocol and make his return for the Giants. Let's move over to the quarterback position, guys. Now, you... Me, we all know that Matthew Stafford should be started across the board. Your numbers, your rankings reflect that. Jake at QB4, Brandon at QB6, but still started in fewer than 70% of Yahoo leagues. Now, I understand that number could be, you know, there's not a lot of context there. There's a lot of people who own two quarterbacks but only have to start one. And, you know, maybe they've got uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers, who they're starting over him, or Deshaun Watson, who they're starting over him. But, uh, uh, you know, Jake, we'll go to you first here. Why don't people want to believe in Matthew Stafford? What gifts? <laughs> so, well, let me ask you a question. You're talking about that's the projected start number for this week, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cause I want to make sure because the number I saw for last week was that he wasn't even 60% started for last week against the giants. And I think what it comes down to, I, I think when I checked, he was around 55% started somewhere around there. But in any case, point being, even that he's up to that number and what is another good matchup. We've talked about the Raiders before, one of the most vulnerable teams to big plays downfield. People are burned and people get burned and they don't go back to people within the same year, let alone the fact that Stafford has pretty much burned fantasy owners for two years before this. It was a long time coming. So it's a lot for people to get over things. It's a lot for people to get over one game. And you're talking about multiple games and multiple seasons. It just people just don't want to come back. And they have this thought in their head of, you know, the Lions think as a team or like Stafford's just not. It's a run first and Patricia's ruining everything. The team's gone back to a pass-happy way, especially with now no running backs of essential value back there. You know, Ty Johnson, eh, maybe, whatever. I actually think that Ty Johnson is still going to be the best out of the four even this week. But all that being said, it, it is now a pass-happy team again. And Matthew Stafford has been the number nine quarterback on the season and even higher than that over the past few weeks. Yeah, I, I, I agree with everything you said. I'm a couple spots lower than Stafford, but I'm top six. So I, I definitely don't hate Matt Stafford, Jake. And I just thought, <laughs> you know, I got Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, Dak Prescott, and Josh yeah, Allen. Right. I have Josh Allen. Well, I have Patrick you know, Mahomes up there, too. Okay. For yeah, now. that's right. For now. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see if he comes back. But so, but the, the matchup's great. And if I had to, like, what could I say bad about this? I don't know. A Detroit team going over to the West Coast. It's outdoors. He's hardly played outdoors this year. It hasn't done very well. But, I mean, that's such a – it's a minor quibble. I really like Matt Stafford a lot for all the reasons Jake said, and I don't really, you know, feel like talking about – uh fake kind of downside stuff just to you know to explain away why i'm a couple spots lower hey well you're still like you said still qb6 so still plenty high and jake you mentioned qb9 uh, on the season qb7 in points per game tied with aaron Rodgers. so matthew stafford has been delivering whatever you've been burned or anything in the past get matthew stafford in your lineups i'm going to skip the guy who we have listed in the middle here guys because he's a nice exclamation point and also because the other quarterback I want to talk about is opposing Matthew Stafford this week. It's Derek Carr, another guy who, if you haven't been paying attention, Derek Carr and really this entire Oakland offense, surprisingly effective over the entire season and recently. For Derek Carr, his last two games, 578 yards, just shy of 10 yards per attempt, five touchdowns and one interception. Oakland is eighth in offensive DVOA from football outsiders, sixth and pass DVOA. This is a, a team that's looking pretty strong through the air with Tyrell Williams now healthy again. He has scored a touchdown in all five games he has played this season. Uh, Brandon, is it time to buy Derek Carr? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, 7.7 YPA is not great but it, oh, for the season, but it's the best of his career. Uh, 72% completion rating, best of his career. You got Tyrell Williams back, who scored a touchdown in every game. Got one of the best tight ends in the game in Darren Waller. And you got, a, you know, one of the one of the best up-and-coming running backs in Josh Jacobs. So they got things to get excited about in this offense. And, and then you look at this Lions defense. There's only been one quarterback that's been under 283 yards against them. Daniel Jones was the number one quarterback last week with four touchdowns against them. Oh, by the way, Kirk Cousins was better than Daniel Jones the week before against them. So uh, this, this Lions pass defense is uh, – in the tank right now and uh Derek Carr's been playing pretty good so I I can easily explain away him being a a QB1 for me this week. Yeah, I don't have anything much more to say than what you did, so I'll do what you didn't do with Matthew Stafford and try to play a little bit of devil's advocate and just the fact that Slay should be back and that's a mild concern. I mean, it's concern of the talent, but he's not enough on his own to make up for the entire Lions defense, but also at the same time Derek Carr over the past few weeks, which you reference, Mike, in the, those numbers, is he's been on that kind of Russell Wilson, Jacoby Brissett touchdown efficiency ratio. And you just have to concern yourself. The same thing I brought up with Tyrell Williams before. You just have to, if the touchdowns aren't there, you look at his attempts. It's similar. It's kind of similar to Tevin Coleman at running back. You know, Tevin Coleman, if he's only getting 12 to 15 touches per game, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's a great offense. Yeah, he's scoring touchdowns. But at some point, the volume does matter and is going to regress. And that's the only concern that, like I said, I'm not, I have him high, obviously. So I'm just trying to play a little bit of devil's advocate for you there. We appreciate that for sure. Definitely always good to hear the uh, the contrarian uh, side of things. I just want to really quick before we move on to the next quarterback, where would this team be if Antonio Brown, you know, stayed? Mm. Uh, a mess because he's a psycho. <laughs> what if he was, what if he was 20? 16 Antonio Brown and was still an Oakland Raider. Uh, their defense is still too terrible. <laughs> wow. Their run defense isn't bad. Their their secondary is is bad. And, you know, they've had some injuries there. And they traded Gary and Conley, who wasn't that good. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, they're playing backups to him now. So, uh, yeah, there's a definite weakness there. Next few games for for Oakland, definitely intriguing for the pass offense. After Detroit, they get the Chargers and then the Bengals. So no defense there that really scares you too much. A defense that does scare you is the New England Patriots. They are in the marquee game of the week, Sunday night football. Patriots in Baltimore to take on the Ravens. Now, obviously, if you own Lamar Jackson, you are starting Lamar Jackson. Jake, you're a QB 11. Brandon, you're a QB 8. Jake, we'll start with you on this one. What should be our realistic expectations for Jackson against the Patriots defense? I honestly think your realistic expectations are, is not topping 200 passing yards, potentially not throwing a touchdown, and your realistic expectations is he might not even rush for one because that's the concern. And I, I don't want to – because you said realistic expectations, but it's also going to be a part of why I'm so concerned of having him at 11. And maybe he moves up a little bit. All it takes is 10 extra rushing yards, and he'll probably jump four spots. But – We know this. We say this all the time about the Patriots defense, whether or not you want to say this is their first real test, whatever. People tried to say that before last week, if you remember. It was like, oh, this is the first legitimate test. And look what they did. And granted, that team's been struggling, but the Patriots still were a great defense. If this is her first real test, throw that out the window. Let's talk about the Patriots defense in general for years now. The Patriots defense for years knows how to take away the best weapon. The best weapon 
is Lamar Jackson. Bill Belichick against what is essentially still a rookie-ish quarterback for how long he's been starting. We know the success. Everybody always talks about that. Daniel Jones earlier this year continued the losing streak of no rookie quarterbacks ever even beaten this team with Bill Belichick at the helm. So I just say all that to say, this is why I have him at QB 11. Maybe it's too low. Maybe he will move up a little bit. But if it's his rushing day that doesn't save him, I don't see how he's even a QB one because he could be completely off the board passing wise. Don't disagree. Uh, I'm fascinated by this game. I can't explain. I I can't, you know, just say with absolute certainty why I'm ranking him number eight. Obviously we know that he's on pace for the, the highest rushing yard total by a quarterback in NFL history, you know, on pace to go over a thousand yards. He's had a couple 100 yard rushing games in a row. Um, I'm just fascinated by the game, and I think it's a great yeah. opportunity to see what's going on because Baltimore's coming off a bye. They've had two weeks uh, to look at this New England Patriots defense and try to figure something out, and they're at home, and it's on Sunday night. This is the best game of the year, in, in, in my opinion, as far as like a game that I'm the most excited to watch and see how it plays out, and I agree with Jake. I mean, if Belichick comes up with a way to completely shut up Lamar uh, – or shut down Lamar Jackson. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I can be more <laughs> impressed with him. I don't. I don't think I can dislike him more than I do. But I don't think I could be any more impressed with the with the guy than uh, you know. Maybe if he completely shuts him down, I, I'll find a way to be even more impressed. But uh, it'll be fascinating to watch. You guys see the uh, great Lamar Jackson uh, uh, Halloween costume? Little press conference question where he got asked what he was, and he explained how he was Harry Potter and why he was Harry Potter and all that. No. Uh, you got to check it out. You you can definitely get it from the Ravens, uh, just the Ravens Twitter account. Check it out. Very funny little back and forth uh, between Lamar and the uh, assembled media there in Baltimore and him talking about dressing up like Harry Potter for Halloween. It's something that all of you should check out if you haven't seen it uh, just yet. And you're definitely going to want to check out uh, Ravens Patreon. Oh, no, it's, it's good. It's good. You're going to like it. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was actually a Harry Potter dig than more than anything. <laughs> uh, well, hey, Lamar uh, and, and the, this matchup with the Patriots, uh, talk about strength on strength. That's uh, going to be a whole lot of fun Sunday night football. And I'm with you guys. You're probably starting Lamar Jackson no matter what. But this is going to be a tough, tough test for him uh, and this entire Ravens offense. A quarterback to take a chance on. Brandon, we'll go with you first here. Yeah, well, you said that if you had Lamar Jackson, you'd probably start him. But I would say, well, if you had Gardner Minshew as your backup, would you still start Lamar Jackson? Because uh, I, I think, yes. you know, I, I you would, huh? I have actually Gardner well, Minshew. Especially with everybody banged up. Well, I mean, Chris Conley. That's well, why. If, I don't think DJ Shark's going to say. I'm just assuming he's not. And, you know, they can okay. run the ball. And and, okay. But if, if Shark sits then yeah i'll drop Minshew down but i think he you know given the issues that houston's had uh defending the past uh they're at home and if shark and conley are there i think that's enough for Minshew to have you know something north of 250 yards and a couple passing touchdowns so i think he's a he's a decent play this week even if shark is out i'd probably still rank him borderline qb1 maybe more down in the 12 13 range yeah, that's like I had Minshew at nine. Uh, my initial hesitancy when you said that, and that's why I said yes, is because if that report about Chark gets worse and then he is out. So I'm with you. Chark's playing, then I'm starting Minshew. And I'd probably, st- like you said, probably still think about starting him all the way up until Sunday over Lamar Jackson. So I'll go for another one. Uh, and I'll say if Deshaun Jackson is back, Carson Wentz. I know people are going to see the defense and be like, uh, no, thank you. Because that's the one part of the defense that still plays well. But the Carson Wentz, let's talk about the fact that if Carson Wentz was playing the way that Carson Wentz was playing before the injury, we'd be saying, 
I don't care what the matchup is. Carson Wentz is a top five quarterback. He's in the Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers conversation because that's where he was. And it comes down to if Deshaun Jackson can stretch that field again, I think that Deshaun, I'd say Carson Wentz is back in the startable conversation, top 10, even against the Bears. Yeah, that's a key player for this Philadelphia offense. How crazy Jackson. is that? It's it's wild, but I mean, we've the, the proof has been there the last few weeks. We really need Deshaun Jackson back out there to get Carson Wentz firing on all cylinders. Once again, this team just doesn't have a vertical element without him, and that is something that's absolutely necessary in the NFL today. Injuries that you're going to want to watch the next couple of days, of course, Patrick Mahomes with his knee issue. Uh, Chiefs are keeping this one close to the vest. We'll see if he's able to return in much faster than anticipated fashion uh, this week. Sam Darnold now dealing with a thumb injury, but it sounds like he's going to be able to go for the Jets. And Case Keenum, as we talked about, in concussion protocol, a tough matchup for him against uh, the Bills this week. Uh, It's probably not him who you're starting, but again, the guys who he's tied to could have their fantasy fortune swing entirely on if he is able to give it a go. Let's wrap things up, guys, at the tight end position. We actually have some interesting guys to talk about this week at the tight end position. How about that? Quite the change. Jonu Smith coming up last week, getting seven targets, catching six of them for 78 yards and a touchdown. 73% of the snaps played for Tennessee. You guys are both in the low end one, low end tight end one, excuse me, range for Jonu Smith. Uh, Jake will go uh, with you here first. Is he an auto start if Delaney Walker's out? Yeah, 100%. And it's mostly because Jonathan Smith is athletic mismatch problem, kind of in the mold of the Evan Ingrams of the world and, you know, all those type of same ones that we keep talking about, the Darren Wallers and George Kittles and stuff. He's a matchup, matchup problem because of the athleticism, because of his ability at catching the ball, period. It's just as a receiver, he's just like, essentially a big wide receiver, which is what a lot of those tight ends are. So if there is no Delaney Walker, he is in the tight end one conversation, not just against matchup whatever matchup independent because you can look at the numbers with no no Delaney Walker he's been a top 10 tight end yeah uh seven targets last week you know he's had nice production with Tannehill and I think Michael I, I think I said this on the wire to wire show I like I just look at it as, as Tennessee tight end and it, it's I'm indifferent as to who it is like if it's Delaney Walker I have, you know, I have, I have John Smith ranked nine this week. If it's Delaney Walker, I'd have Delaney Walker ranked nine. I just think that they're, he's a plug and play replacement. And uh, so whatever you think of Delaney, if, if Smith ends up being the guy, you kind of have to think the same thing about him. And so I'm with Jake. I, I think he's an automatic start this week. Yeah, Austin Hooper on by. So uh, Johnny Smith would probably be the first person you turn to if you're an Austin Hooper owner. Although as we sit here on Wednesday, most waiver runs have happened. So hopefully you were able to get Johnny Smith if that was someone who was available to you. If he wasn't, how about Cameron Bright? Jake at tight end 13, Brandon at tight end 11, OJ Howard still dealing with with the hamstring injury, Bray played two-thirds of Tampa snaps last week, got six targets, uh, caught three of them for 32 yards. Uh, Brandon, uh, again, I guess the question here is, is this, you know, cross your fingers for a touchdown, or do we think there's maybe some yardage upside at all in play for Bray? I'm too close on this one as a Seahawks fan. I just seen <laughs> tight ends just burn the Seahawks all year. Last week it was Austin Hooper. You remember Gerald Everett's big breakout game, 136 yards. You know, Vance McDonald when, in the Mason Rudolph game when Ross was wait, 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 hold on, hold on, Brandon. Brandon, what was that you said about what tight ends do against the Seahawks? I just want you to say it one more time. 
they did I say burn them, scorch them, slaughter, slaughter them. I just wanted you to bring that up because when I brought that up, like to somebody, I forget who it was, like week eleven last year, they're like, "It's not a thing," because I said tight ends against the Seahawks are a thing, and then I just did what you did, and I rattled off all the games, and he threw out like the one bad game that somebody didn't show up, and I was like, "Seriously, like this is what we're doing? Seriously?" But <laughs> the anyway. middle, the middle is yeah. always open against the Seahawks. It's you know, Pete Carroll always. The one- He's the one constant. So defensive coordinators can change, but it's always the same because it's always Pete Carroll. He's kind of the architect of everything. So uh, tight ends are always <laughs> always going to have good opportunities against the Seahawks. So if, if O.J. Howard's out, uh, I'm in on great. I found it. It was it was Greg Olson did nothing against them last year. Like Greg Olson did nothing against most people last year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> chronic foot issues for a thirty four year old uh, don't usually lead to them doing much against any. There, there's been some All good Greg, Greg Olson games against the Seahawks though. Just go look. There at has been. Greg Olson's had his day against the Hawks. I know it. Here's the other one. Here's the, you want to guess who the this is actually in fantasy. I will say is oh supposed to be a big name tight end. Dude, that did nothing against them. Jared Cook. And that's why Jared Cook's the worst tight end in the history of forever, because he doesn't do anything when he's supposed to do anything. And then he does something while everybody else has dropped them. Uh, yeah, I'm the same place. The same reason is uh, exploit the Seattle matchup. I will say this. If OJ Howard's active, though, I don't want either one of them. Uh, just forget yeah. it. That's yeah. Fair. Yeah. It could be a, a muddy situation if Howard uh, comes back, certainly. Uh, and hey, Jordan, uh, Jared Cook, uh, Jake, he's on by this week, so you don't got to worry about him. He was and he was on injury list last week, so yeah. man, still don't have to worry about. It. Yeah, I he, was uh, waiting for him to somehow produce from the IL list, or I just called it <laughs> IL. I've been watching the, too much of the World Series, too much the World IR Series. last week. Yeah, I know. Well, that's the thing too. In my article, instead of putting Akeem Hicks, this is what happens when you watch the World Series and write an article at the same time. I put Aaron Hicks. So <laughs> <it was> just, <laughs> I thought you were gonna put Hakeem Nix. <laughs> oh no, that would have been a good one. Not that's still football related. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> Uh, man, well, hey, game seven. Uh, so at least uh, no more no more worries next week about who are you guys uh, taking. I know this is a football one, but who are you, who are you taking? I'm taking Houston. Uh, I'm I'm I want I want to say the Nationals. I just want the Nationals. When I hate the Astros, they're I'm pulling for the Nationals. Wrong. I'm pulling for the Nationals, but I think <laughs> they're in the no AL West. Uh, yeah, and by the way, I I say Preston Wilson a lot, as Michael knows, instead of Preston Williams. So I always have oh, good old Preston Wilson, former Mets and Marlins. There you go. Yeah, hey, we sideboard. We should probably get back. I, I you know what? I am taking the Astros too, and but I do as much as I'm a Mets fan. I would love to see the Nationals win just so I can see so many sad like Bryce Harper memes, like just people <laughs> be like you know, yeah. Oh man, yeah, that would be that would be that would be something to see, and uh, yeah, my uh, I've got a soft spot for for Washington after uh, the four four and a half years that I lived there. But enough baseball. Let's get back to our last tight end, <laughs> Dallas Goddard, uh, Texas, right? Uh, Houston from Houston to Dallas, Dallas Goddard, uh, tight end fourteen for both of you guys. Uh, here's the question, I think, for Dallas Goddard because we know basically what he is when he's out there. Um, I, I can't remember who we're on, so I'll just start with you, Jake. Uh, what is yeah. the, the feeling for Goddard with Deshaun Jackson and without Deshaun Jackson? So I'll start without because that's kind of why I'm ranking him there right now. And you can honestly make a case for it to be higher. Uh, as I mentioned, you know, I always wrap it up before we get to the show. But you, you're, you're a big fan and people should be a big fan of the APA column. Surprisingly, the Bears, as much as we talk about their defense this year, is just not their defense. They're above average in allowing points, or I guess above average as in they're allowing more than the average fantasy points to tight end so far this year when you count for who they faced. So I like Goddard if there is no Deshaun Jackson because what defense have shown this year just take away Zach Ertz and let everybody else try to beat you. Let the run game try to beat you. Let Alshon Jeffrey and Dallas Goddard try to beat you. Just 
blanket Zach Ertz and then forget about the rest because a lot of times it's been working so far and it's been working pretty effectively. They haven't won all the games that being the opponents, but that's been the most effective approach. And that's why Zach Ertz has not been as good as Dallas Goddard so far. But if Deshaun Jackson is back, now you take that defensive ability away. You make the field stretched. And I think that Dallas Goddard's probably not even on the field as much. They're not going to be running as many 12 sets with Deshaun Jackson, Deshaun Jackson out there. So he would slide back. Dallas Goddard would probably slide back behind people that are full starts like Darren Fells. And even I know he really hasn't done anything, but probably like the Vance McDonald range. Yeah, I might slide him back too, uh, but not a whole lot because I think Jake's mentioned this before. You're you're hunting for t- touchdowns at the tight end position, and maybe in in your top twelve, you're following you know snaps and volume a little bit more. But when you get when you're throwing darts with that second group, you're just going for the guys that uh, have red zone upside, and and that's what Dallas Dallas Goddard has that in spades, and. You know, there was we're doing the round table on on the athletic this week, and we we're asking which player you wish would have been traded that was. And everybody says OJ Howard because he's been on. You know, he's been rumored to be out there, but I think you could make the, you can make the case for Dallas Goddard. Man, free this guy up, give him somewhere because he's good. Where's that hurts? Like these guys should be running as the clear number one on, on, you know, on teams out there. And it's not fair for Dallas Goddard at this point to be running as the number two. Uh, he's, he's one of the top 10 tight end talents in the league, in my opinion. Yeah. I think I said this on, on Monday, Brandon on wire to wire. He's, he's Hunter Henry. Now he's Hunter Henry. when we were waiting for Antonio Gates to go away yeah. forever. Yeah, no, that's a good, that's a good comp for sure. Yeah, well, we'll see. Uh, I agree. Goddard, a nice guy to stream if Deshaun Jackson doesn't play. If Deshaun Jackson does play, hard to see exactly where the volume comes in for Goddard. Guys, I know it's hard at this position, but anyone, Brandon, you go first, that you're willing to uh, throw a dart at this week. Isn't isn't Noah Fant my de facto guy that I throw out there? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, again, you're chasing, you chase some athleticism, guys playing a lot of snaps, maybe with, uh, you know, with Brandon Allen out there, we might unlock something with Noah Fant, but you, you just got to appreciate opportunity and athleticism when you're throwing, when you're throwing a dart here in the post top 12 world of the tight end position. Yeah, I'm going to go a little elsewhere for this one, uh, mostly because I'll say this. I, I think it's fair to throw out Tyler Eifert and Mike Kosicki of what they did against a team to say, like, they don't count. So let's do that because they don't count. And look at the other four that have faced the team. I'm going to throw it out the fact that Will Disley scored twice earlier this year. George Kittle, six for 57. Mark Andrews, five for 45. And Hunter Henry, eight for 102 touchdowns in the matchup for the Colts against the Steelers. So I'm going to roll the dice on Eric Ebron finding the end zone. There we go. A couple of you look at these guys, Jake and Brandon always find it. I mean, tight end is the one position where maybe you're just blindly doing it, but these guys are always going to help you find someone to take a chance on no matter the position injuries. We're going to want to watch. We already talked about OJ Howard and Delaney Walker. One more guys. Maybe this is the Chris Herndon debut week. We've been talking about <laughs> waiting for Chris Herndon since literally August. I mean, that, right? That's, I mean, that's not an exaggeration. And now we are here. No, Halloween is tomorrow, right? Whenever that suspension came down and now we're still doing it, maybe this is the debut week he is dealing with a hamstring injury. That's going to do it for us on the ranking show. Before we sign off, Jake, you already asked about uh, uh, who we think is going to win Game 7 of the World Series tonight. I'm going to ask you guys one more. World Series Game 7 hero. Who is it? Jake, you first. Oh, at this point, well, since I'm taking the Astros, I have to stick with them. I think Bregman's just been on fire, and I have a feeling we're going to see another nice little dinger, and maybe he carries the bat all the way to third base this time. <laughs> all right, how about you, Brandon? World Series, Team 7 hero. 
how how can I say anybody but Juan Soto? Like, I mean, the guys, the guys. If you're just, taking uh, the Nats, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if I'm taking the Nats, I'm hoping for the Nats, so I might as well uh, get behind them as far as my prediction. And Soto, you know, he's gonna if he if he hits one here, man, he's gonna ride that in the next year's fantasy drafts, uh, very high up on the list. Yeah, Bregman's speaking good. of riding, can, can we get him? Can he like ride it, ride the bat around the bases like he's riding a pony and slapping <laughs> yeah. his butt while he's Happy doing Gilmore it? Like, style. we need to just go there, have some fun. Oh man, that's Actually, what's gonna Bregman... Serrano style where he just pumps it in his arms yeah. all the way. <laughs> Bregman's <laughs> gonna hit one and give it to the third base coach uh, instead of the first yeah. base coach tonight, and then Soto's gonna hit one and do the Serrano all the way. Wouldn't that be it. fun? I'm gonna go. I'll go with. Uh, I'll go uh, since I'm picking Houston. I got to pick an Astro. I'll go with an old reliable here, Michael Brantley. I'll say Michael Brantley gives you a huge night uh, at the plate Quietly. and ends up being really the, the game seven hero for the uh, for the Astros tonight. But either way, so I think it's going to be a really fun If you one. want an injury update, Mike, before like just as we finish this show, yeah. timing-wise, so Cliff Kingsbury, David Johnson is still working through it, will be a running back by committee regardless, and Kenyon Drake will play, quote, in some capacity. Eesh. So this sound, I mean, I just that's got stay away written all over it. <laughs> Run for the uh, friggin' hills, against dude. San Francisco. On top of that, that's got. This is gonna be away. Alfred Morris game. <laughs> yeah, right. Alfred Wait, Morris. Way to bring, way to bring us down off of a fun World Series conversation, Jake. Bring us no, back Alfred today. Morris revenge game. That's what I'm bringing <laughs> full circle. There it is. The, wow. Yes, I love that. And maybe he uh, right the Nats win, and then the old Washington legend Alfred Morris gets a revenge game against San Francisco. How about that? Now, that would be something uh, to talk about. We hope that this uh, this ranking show is something to talk about. Tell your friends, theathletic.com slash the ranking show. Get 40% off an annual subscription to The Athletic. You can follow me at M. Beller, Jake at All in Kid, and Brandon at Brandon Funston. Be sure to check the link, check Jake's rankings all the way up to kickoff on Sunday for the very most updated rankings as you are setting your lineups. And check out the Friday update show with me and Derek Van Riper. Thank you for listening to The Ranking Show. If you're listening on Wednesday, enjoy World Series Game 7. If you're listening any other day of the week, enjoy whatever day that is and your weekend. For Jake and Brandon, I'm Michael. This has been The Ranking Show. Thanks for listening.